0: This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to LinkedIn.com/Slash This Week in Startups. BetterHelp, providing access to easy, affordable, and private professional counseling anytime, anywhere. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com/Slash Twist and Dell for Entrepreneurs. Level up your hardware today and save up to 43% by going to dell.com slash twist.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. It's what you always wanted. It's what you demanded. You love a news roundtable. You love when I talk about the news with really smart people. We've been doing so many great interviews. We've had these long-form two-hour interviews. Dan Rose, George Zachary, the list goes on and on, and so many great interviews coming up that you're going to love, including Sarah Tavell from Benchmark. Uh, just amazing guests we've had on the pod. Today, we're lucky to have a longtime reoccurring guest and friend of the pod and friend of launch our investing company, Monique Woodward. She's an early stage investor. Welcome back to the pod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is like your fifth or 10th? It's only my second. No. Yes, too. that? There oh, for two. the roundtable? For the roundtable. But you've been on panels and other things that have wound Ye- up on the podcast, I think. Yes,
2: I've been on panels and other things
1: yes yes uh and you invest in early stage companies you were at
2: 500 back in the day you're doing your own thing now Mm -hmm. you invest in what uh i'm owning the space around demographic change so i invest in areas of demographic change specifically uh the rising aging population uh, women who can drive companies to billion dollar outcomes Mm. um and then the new majority where people of color become the majority in the united states
1: absolutely that's fantastic yeah a huge opportunity People don't know this, but like the number one company in terms of raising money coming out of our accelerator, black woman, yeah, Crystal yeah. from uh, Ruby Love raised fifteen million coming out of the po- coming out of the accelerator. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like if you think about driving culture, you look at Instagram, you look at Vine, you look at Twitter, TikTok, TikTok. People of color are driving these platforms. Yeah and then
2: they're massively underrepresented in the funding space. This is a huge opportunity. Exactly. Um, black culture is American culture and is pop culture, um, and that drives culture all over the world. And so we need to be investing in, in more people who are creating platforms and creating new, new companies. And we also need to f- figure out how to better reward creatives for creating things on TikTok and on Vine that eventually go viral, like yeah. uh, Julia's, uh renegade dance, or you know when everyone was, was saying eyebrows on fleek, which came from Vine. Right. Um, we don't have a good mechanism to actually reward people for creating things that yeah. drive the culture forward. And they're yeah they don't have equity in those platforms. Right. They're making the platforms. Yeah. They don't have equity. Black Twitter in is driving Twitter. Black Twitter is driving Twitter. Yeah. Twitter would be nothing if it wasn't for Black Twitter.
1: I have an inside story about black Twitter. I think you know the story because I think you and I talked about it. There was a moment in time where trending topics were getting so, um, black Twitter was driving trending topics so uh, much. It was half of the trending topics. And then all these white people were like, I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) So the person in charge of it was like, we need to localize and personalize the trending topics so that you get san francisco topics or for your demographics to started personalizing this is my internal this is a, a long time ago yeah but that's how influential it was was that and now i'm having it happen with korean culture my uh, entire i don't know if you're having this in san francisco but there's this korean boy band BT, bts bts yeah
2: and when these bts fans go crazy <laughs>
1: It just floods my.
2: Yeah. I and see each VCS member of the band show up in random Twitter threads. I can't take it. Yeah. I, I can't take I'm just trying to find out what's going on with impeachment. I want to know what's <laughs> going on with Roger Stone. I just want to see black Twitter. I don't want to see VC Twitter at all. I
1: would like to be able to switch to black Twitter. <laughs> right. Sounds like it's going
2: to be more fun. It It is more fun over it's there. It's a lot more fun. People,
1: <laughs> I just, I love my favorite Twitter, NBA Twitter.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, NBA Twitter is sports. the
1: best Twitter <laughs> because literally, like, Someone like Harden flops, and they just—it's every SpongeBob meme, every meme oh, you can yeah, imagine yeah. of people falling over, not gracefully. Well, yeah.
0: and the players are so into it too, which is what makes it fun. Like you way more interaction and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. especially
1: Kevin uh, Durant with his <laughs> oh, burner account. Yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm still gonna do a burner account. You <laughs> know? Uh, okay, so our other guest today is back on the pod. He was on the pod episode six two six back in March of 2016 when he was trying to figure out this little company known as Zapier. Which makes you happier? <laughs> <laughs> Tim Ferriss mispronounced it on his podcast. What if, what's the proper pronunciation? So we're just clear. Zapier, Zapier, Zapier makes you, happier, makes you Yeah, you got it. Because you can make zaps. Yes, yeah, and they and I've automate been, your day. And they automate your day. I've been a huge fan, as you know, of the of the product for oh how long now? You started back in.
0: We started in 2011. I
1: was about to say, it feels like we're getting close to a decade coming up on it. Why did you start?
0: zapier we uh my co-founder and i were getting hired like little side projects to connect these apps for folks so we built like a wordpress forms plugin that you could funnel leads into salesforce we had another one that was like paypal sales into quickbooks and uh my co-founder was like hey we could probably just make an off the shelf thing where sort of your everyday knowledge worker could set this stuff up on their Mm -hmm. own without having to hire us to do this work it's such a
1: brilliant platform what's the footprint now of the company you guys are raised money. You're making
0: money. Yeah. So we're uh, 300 people, uh, fully distributed. Uh, we only raised a million and change, uh, but been profitable wow. since 2014. Uh, I yeah, remember one of well. your investors contacted me. It was like, early
1: days, they are like, what do you think of this thing? Is it ever going to be something? I was like, I use it every day. Like, it's, I have my own like bots going in the background. I think it's brilliant. I don't mm-hmm. know about monetization, but you figured out, obviously, you got
0: 300 people. And you've only had a million invested into the business, so yeah. you're, the business is doing tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. The last announcement we made was a year and a half ago at fifty million ARR. What?
2: Yeah.
1: With one million invested, mm-hmm. and Monique and I are not on the cap table. No. <laughs> you know <laughs> Sorry. what? Monique makes a There's great. There's not very many me, people on the cap I, table. Listen. <laughs> Wait. After this, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. After this, I just want to say you might need a board member. Yeah. Who understands business and culture? You might, you know, maybe you can chip off a whatever we're talking about here 50 basis points, yeah. maybe yeah. even 75 bits. A little, a little something,
2: something. Yeah. She's good. She's good at what she
1: does. All right. I'm just, I'm looking out for you, Monique. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: <I> <laughs> did, we're did, in did. this together. I was yeah. broke in 2011. So unfortunately, I'm I wasn't amazed. too far behind you. <laughs> it's what amazing. You, you are like
1: the mega Pegasus. You, you turned 1 million in investment into 50 million a year in a highly profitable business that you guys own. The investors own twenty percent of the business or something, no. ballpark,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the rest of you own eighty percent. God, you are the That's model. That's like amazing. How did you do it? Was it just bootstrapping and being lean in the beginning?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we we sort of took the money we need. We went through YC and then did the seed round right after, and uh, huh. then sort of treated it like that was the last money we would ever see. Um, uh, so you know, we we had some. I think the most money we ever burned in a month was maybe. 20 grand hmm. um, which is right now Monique and I are to, falling in love yeah, with you Wade we're, uh, the way we're
1: looking at you right now <laughs> is just like,
2: uh, if we could swipe right yeah, yeah, like on right yeah. <laughs> we,
1: we have
0: people who are burning 200 a month they, the product's still not out yeah yeah. yeah. Well, when you look at some of these growth stage companies this is like 200, you're 200 million in like a quarter or something like some bonkers. of these you know Uber and Lyft as they were All right, take it easy there on the price, examples right into profitability right now
1: alright speaking of uh uh glidi- well, this is there's no segue here, but um, <laughs> this was the big uh story of the week and I think it's pretty relevant. Tech journalists and uh the technorati uh went to war this past week and um Balaji, as you know, uh, B-A-L-A-J-I-S on Twitter. He worked at the um Horowitz there, he's a, he's an expert on crypto uh and on um biotech, and he was talking about how uh, people were not covering, um, you know, the story properly. And a reporter from Recode, who's only been there for a month, her name is uh, Shireen, and I offered her to be on the pod. She declined. Uh, Balaji was going to come on the pod, and then he canceled on us because Kara Swisher wanted her to be on the pod as well. And there was just a little bit of, like, me and Kara fighting for the same guest, uh, and Karen, and I have been fighting about this, but the the tweet came, the DM came in and he published the DM and we mm-hmm. all get these from journalists and the journalists have been pretty negative. And I just said uh, based and, he, and she said, hey, we saw your tweets on the top. Would you be available to chat more about this on a brief call? And he was sort of speculating that this is going to wind up being like another link, hyster- link bait, hysterical story. Yeah. So I wrote, founders, my advice is never talk to journalists on the phone. You will likely be misquoted and your answers will not be uh, cri- as, I should put a little typo there, as crisp as email. There's so much gotcha journalism and link baiting. Always use email and let the journalists know you plan to publish your answers on your blog. This is my advice to founders. Yeah. Because the downside of talking to the press today in this kind of very negative environment is high. So uh, Kara Swisher comes out swinging as you would expect to defend her person. She's like, oh please, with the with the dopey snark. Uh she's doing a great story. Um and um yada yada. Then I go into it and um you know Karis Fisher and I get into it. We're friends. We're gonna talk about it on her podcast. Long story short, the story comes out and boom, the story, no handshakes please. The tech industry yeah. is terrified of the coronavirus. <laughs> The 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 worst. She literally said, you know, we have this big debate that this story is going to be link bait. And there's all it's all downside for a founder to talk to her. And then she proves it to us. And then um, Balaji says, incredible. Last week, I called our journalist, who I thought was writing a piece that would be a disservice to public health. Unfortunately, my concerns proved well-founded. Recode's virus piece ignores. WHO and CDC gets the science wrong and focuses on the handshakes. Because here in Silicon Valley, people are saying, hey, let's not shake hands. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's what everybody's saying around the world. This is not unique to us. Monique, when you look at this craziness, oh, and then by the way, Balaji then goes on to dunk in a tweet storm because he has massive knowledge compared to a writer, a journalist has 5 10% of the knowledge he's going to have on the subject by definition, a journalist versus somebody who, like, spends her time on this. And he just fact checks the whole thing and dunks on her. Monique, you've been in the industry for a long time, like me, a couple decades. Yeah. Has it ever been this contentious between us
2: and the press? No. This is the height of- Peak contentious. Peak, peak contentiousness. Um, and, you know, I understand the media business model is sort of failing right now, right? And so they need those clicks. And- investors don't want to shake hands is a much better story than the real issue around coronavirus, right? Right. Um, It's a much less exciting story. Um, But this is, it's become really difficult to talk to the press. And I've had my own issues with with the media and with the press and I was actually, around the same time that this was happening, I was going to make a tweet about a complaint that I had about the press. But it got so, people were dunking on the press too much and I just felt like, I felt bad making it. Um, But, People often reach out um, and ask you to make comments, and you know it's going to take a terrible turn. Right, right. So you know already that it's that it's you what you say is going to be misrepresented, misconstrued, or placed into a story that doesn't really give the full the full weight of what you actually said. No context. Um, so I think a lot of investors and a lot of founders have rightfully sort of pulled back from doing a lot of press and are sort of controlling their own media narrative, controlling their own story through podcasting, through writing, through other through other mechanisms. And there has to come a time when the press starts to pull back on this, Silicon Valley is bad. These investors are terrible. These founders are They're dumb. They're kooky. They don't right. want to shake
1: hands. It's all becoming right. very personal and unnecessarily
2: dunking on us yeah and this and i, think, I don't have particularly thin skin but no it, it, at some point it gets to be it gets to be a lot it gets to be very one note it's nine out of if you got 10 if you were contacted the last 10 times by the press
1: of yeah. those 10 times how many times do you think it was a negative slanted story so Ball many bar. times eight, so seven, eight, nine? Seven. okay i was gonna say eight or nine yeah and i always write back to them this is the third time you've gotten back to you've uh you know, DM'd me. Yeah, because they slide into your DMs like, "Hey, want to talk on the phone?" I'm like, "No, I'll talk to you. Uh, <laughs> you ask my question here," and it's always the same thing. Like, you know, Uber. Yeah. This, this, and, every, and I said, "Do you want to meet any of the 200 companies I've invested in since Uber that are doing really important stuff in the world? Because you haven't written about Block, you haven't written about Cafe yeah. X, you haven't written about Lead IQ, you haven't been re- written about Ruby Love. Can you do a profile in one of these companies that's doing a great job?" And you know, as I tweeted, tech leaders are asking the tech press to take a pause and ask themselves if they could do better covering tech, less hysterically and negatively, which is very similar to what the tech press asked tech leaders to do over the last couple of years, which is be better and act more honorably. Both parties can improve. Wade, mm-hmm. you're a founder. Your company was not built off the press. You didn't need the press. When you're watching all this going on, how do you think about the press as a founder with not a lot of investors and you know, a ton of revenue. Do you even bother with the press? Do you have a press strategy? How do you look at the press as somebody with an at-scale business?
0: Um, you know, I, obviously the press is important because they can help amplify a story. So like right. if you can do it well, then it's it's advantageous. Uh, but it is tricky. Like you, you know, uh, you're competing with things that get clicks. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of hardworking people in press right. that are trying to write yeah. good stories, do good work, but as a culture, as a society, we like watching a train wreck, right? Uh, yes. And so it's hard when you're running one of these business saying like, "Hey, I, I want to write a feel good story." When, as a culture, like that's not what we want to watch. We love watching this people yes. dunk on each other. That's right. what we like. And so there's, I, I think there's more systemic problem here where it's like, like as a society, how can we get our attention more on things that actually are generating positive good things happening in society and try and just move more that direction instead of you know watching things fall apart all around us yeah. is the uh,
1: is the ascension of podcasting because you kind of alluded to this monique and mm-hmm. i think it's a really interesting and subtle point the ascension of podcasting in a way is a reaction to the dissension and the degrading of journalism in print or mm-hmm. journalism I- in uh, text they're not making any money there they're quoting us out of context there they're desperately trying to get clicks, so they will spin the stories to be as tribal and you know aggressive uh, as possible, sometimes to the point as in this case where it's just a goof it's a serious story, and they made it goofy mm-hmm. like you could write a, you could really lean on Silicon Valley to give you very good insights. You could have gone to Google, you could have gone to Facebook and said, "Hey, do you have any data?" On how coronavirus is being talked about, and does that relate in some way to how the, the you know this is spreading? There's so many ways yeah. you could spin this. But when we get back from this quick break, I want you to, Monique, tell us about podcasting in relation to what's happening now. When We get back on the swing terms. Listen, time and place is everything. You know this, and especially in marketing, right? Location and time matters. But in today's age, when people are getting a million messages per minute, how do you catch people's attention? Well, with over 62 million decision makers on LinkedIn, LinkedIn ads make sure your messages get through to the most relevant people because they know job titles, location, the size of companies. It's not just about awareness. LinkedIn ads are driving traffic and engagement, such as visits to a landing page. So this isn't just to get your name out there. This is to get an action, right? To get people to come to your landing page it's with precise targeting, SMB, small and medium sized businesses, which include startups, can speak to the people that matter and not waste your ad budget on people who don't. LinkedIn ads are helping smaller businesses get massive results. And here's a video of our marketing manager, Marine, creating an open office hours lead gen campaign. So she sets the company size since we're trying to get small companies, emerging companies, right? And she sets the title. You know what we want? We want founders and co-founders, of course. And after the targeting is all set, she creates the copy, the creative, and links it to a custom lead form. And within minutes, the campaign is up and running. So here is your call to action. I can't believe it. My friends at LinkedIn Marketing are doing it again. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups for $100 and LinkedIn ad credits uh, when you launch your first campaign. Terms and conditions apply because they're giving you 100 bucks. obviously. It's a big, generous offer. And I just want to say to the LinkedIn team, especially the marketing team, thanks for supporting uh, independent media like This Week in Startups. It means a lot to us and the listeners. And thanks for the hundy. I mean, everybody could use the hundy, and everybody needs a little marketing, some more customers. All right, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, Monique Woodward is back with us. You can follow her on the Twitter, Monique Woodward. Woodward, I'm sorry, I keep saying Woodward. Yeah. Woodward. How are uh, we going on each other? <laughs> <laughs> Over so ten years, uh, and Wade Foster is here. Uh, w a d e f o s t e r on the Twitter. He's the CEO of Zapier, which makes you happier. Hey, and you're sponsor. You're sponsoring the podcast. Thank you for that. Yeah. I was I was really heartwarming to see, uh, and super easy for me to do the adery because I use your product every day. That's you mind- yeah.
0: It's easy to sponsor when you love the product. <laughs> uh, we do use this every
1: day. So here's how it works. The what the re- the way I actually started using yours was remember Twitter and Instagram got in the war
0: oh yeah and they wouldn't Mm
1: -hmm. support so I was like anytime I post on Insta Mm -hmm. repost my image to Twitter that was when I found out about your service
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Um, uh, so we were talking a little bit Monique about the ascension of podcasting we can all sit here and spend 15-20 minutes talking about this issue of journalism and we'll talk about four more five more issues in this great episode and I can't misquote you here. You speak yeah. for yourself. People can see the look on your face when you say something, they can hear the context. When you say something to the press, you can say something like, you know, this isn't really important, but certainly, you know, X factor comes into play here. And they can take that, cut out, this really isn't the important point, and just take whatever you said and, and put that in the headline as the lead to the, you know, as the headline or the link baiting or whatever. Is podcasting the future of all this, you think? And in subjects, you kind of alluded to this, that we're kind of routing around. Like, I don't go to the press anymore. Yeah. I am the press. I, I have 25 million listeners a year. I don't need to be on anybody else's podcast. I don't need to talk to any journalist ever. If Why would I talk to a journalist? If I have something to say, I say it here. Audience comes to direct. can't misinterpret me. Is this the future?
2: Uh, it's not just podcasting. It's podcasting. It's substack. Having your own newsletter um controlling your own email list and being able to control your voice and what you put out into the world. Right. Um so podcasting is certainly part of that mm. and definitely gives people who either didn't have a voice or felt that they were they were misrepresented in some way a voice that they can control. Right. So I think, you know, the rise of podcasts obviously obviously started with like voice as a platform and having, you know, these devices in our home. Right. So that was like the first foray. Yeah. And then we started layering podcasting on top of that. Uh, and I think it will continue. I think people want to control the way that they are seen by by the public. Right. And people want to be able to control what they put out into the public. And I highly recommend to founders, to anyone, um, you know, in the industry, control your message. Don't let right. the media control the message for you. Right, right, and do it either by writing regularly, podcasting regularly, or some piece of content that you are able to like get out there into the world. Yeah,
1: you you gotta develop that muscle as yeah. a founder because you will get spun. I mean, look mm-hmm. what's happening to Lambda School right now. I think that might be in the in the notes coming up, but you know they're getting savaged online, mm-hmm. and luckily the kid Austin who runs that, who's been on the pod, he. Uh, He's coming back on the pod to talk about it. And these journalists are never going to be able to talk to him. You know who's going to be able to talk to him? Me. Because I'm not going to try to like do gotcha journalism with him. I'm not going to like have him come on in the first five minutes, just grill him. I'm going to say, hey, tell me what's going on. How's the business? Tell me honestly. And that's why our podcast is bigger than any journalist podcast in tech. Like we're going to be just much bigger than the journalists because we're going to get better guests because they feel more comfortable having a real conversation here. You listen to a lot of podcasts, Wed?
0: Uh, I've started to listen to more. You're getting into it, yeah. Starting to get into it, yeah. yeah we yeah. started sponsoring stuff, and I'm like, all right, I got to understand the medium. Understand yeah, the yeah. <laughs>
1: um, you what have any you, you like?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, Reply All is the place I started because yeah, those guys do really good. It's yeah. like fun, quirky, like interesting. It's weird, you know, yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people like that one. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: I like to listen to the people who are the most polarizing on each side. Oh, yeah. And I like to listen to them back to back. Sometimes on my drive home, I'll listen to rachel matta mm-hmm. and ben shapiro and they'll talk about the same stories every day yeah and one of them is talking about bernie sanders in one way one the other and then when they sync up is when it gets really interesting because they might say it slightly differently but they're both a bit worried about bernie sanders not be you know ben shapiro's like bernie sanders can't be trump he's going to just be like 40 people are he, trump's gonna take 40 states and Rachel Maddow saying the same thing, like, we better be careful what's going on here. We're not going to get Trump out with Bernie Sanders. They were, like, in sync on that like mm-hmm. actual um, issue. All right, moving on, um, and I, and Kara Swisher, looking forward to be on the pod. I think the solution to all this, by the way, for journalists, do a better job. Balance your coverage 50-50. If you're going to do uh, – for every time you're going to do one of these pieces that might be negative or critical of press, just try to write a profile of something promising and remember – you know why this industry is here to like building interesting products that help humanity. Like, we're not here to like destroy humanity, even though, like, sometimes that does seem to happen that like a technology is bad for humanity. There are some good things going on here. Hey, SpaceX announces a plan to carry up to four private citizens into space by the end of 2021 or early 22. Uh, they announced an agreement with Space Adventures, Space Tourism Company. Price of the mission will not be disclosed. Um, they We have a quick video of the uh, SpaceX cabin design. It's pretty beautiful. Uh, My friend Chamath uh, partnered with Richard Branson on Virgin Galactic for low Earth orbit. And Bezos obviously is doing Blue Origin. Uh, Virgin plans on sending customer space later this year. Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, uh, about 200K. Um, And I guess the question is, is this – you guys, would, would you ever, if you even had the money, consider doing this, Wade?
0: I mean, is as, this appealing to you? Like as well, a yeah, kid you afford this, actually, as a kid, like <laughs> being able to go to like, how cool would it be to look down on Earth? It's pretty appealing to me, except yeah. for the danger. Well, sure. Um, but like, <laughs> I don't know, like you, you get to be <laughs> one of how many people have ever done it. I, I, I wouldn't be the first but maybe the third I don't know you know <laughs> first to
1: third is kind of the same I
0: think there's yeah, four maybe. people on the same one I guess that's true third so maybe I'll be on the third flight
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. no not for me Yeah. 3,000 flight no problem <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do the 3,000 flight okay. I'm going to look at how many blow yeah. up because I think it's you know I think it's a 1 in yeah. 500 chance these things blow up yeah, yeah. so I, that's, that's not my kind of odds yeah I mean I was actually thinking about the Kobe Bryant situation tragically yeah. I think it's one death per 100,000 hours of helicopter, helicopter flight yeah which, that seems very safe. But Unless you you're odd, and you've been flying yeah. helicopters for 30 years, every, you know, five days a week, and yeah. now all of a sudden, it looks like maybe you, you got a one in 10, you're, you're, you got 10,000 hours under your gap. belt, you're starting to...
0: Yeah, those odds are starting to not look so good.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the odds on a motorcycle, like, you know, it, it's really about how often you're on those things. Um, would you do it? You know, is it interesting no. to you at all? <laughs> no. Not interesting, right?
2: <laughs> no. You want to be safe. There's, It's not even the safety. It's just like, why? Why? There's so much stuff down here. Yeah. It's pretty good down here. <laughs> I it's, think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, go to Paris. Go to Bali. Like
1: 200,000? Go a lot of good places. Right. You yeah. Can, I mean, there's, there's a lot there's... of Amman hotels that cost 1,500 a night. I I look at 200,000 right now, I think, that's 100 nights in Amman yeah. hotels. <laughs> you know what the Amman hotel is? You're going to start going to that. Massively, yeah. Yeah, when you... Now that you're making fifty million a year in profitable, <laughs> wow. well, Jesus, wow! Yeah, yeah probably more. Um, yeah, you're to uh, take Mr. this in minimalist public?
0: Over here, you're, I know. <laughs> yeah. you, are you?
1: Uh, what, what do they call those people? Uh, what's Tim Ferris doing now? They're all doing um, what's uh, not Socratic. They're doing not like a Spartan kind of thing. They're trying to
0: be. I mean, minimalist. I just like just minimalist. is yeah, another word. Yeah, for it. I forgot. that I don't know word. what the other word would be, but yeah, yeah. you know. I don't need stoic. Stoic, stoic is, is good they're, they're Yeah, good yeah sure stoic. Are you stoic? You like I, I mean that, like? I've like read some of the stuff But yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm like Tim Ferris levels of stoicism But yeah. yeah I mean it's I think it's healthy Yeah mm-hmm. Why? Well it just I think it keeps you It allows you to have perspective on things um, Which is good So you don't always get caught up One way or the other um, yeah. You know if two times are good, yeah, times are good, times are bad. This you know, whatever. This too shall pass. So, yeah.
1: you know, this too shall pass. Right, yeah. Lord of the Rings. There you go. <laughs> all, we, all we have to do is decide to do with the time we've been given. Yeah, there you go. I like that. That's all. Yeah, when I hear that quote, I get a little emotional.
0: I know, right? <laughs> wow. it's good. Uh,
1: you're gonna orbit the earth two to three times, 250 mile height. Um, uh, which is the international space system. I think Blue. I think Virgin Galactic is going to be kind of low. I think this is going to become a thing. I think. I wonder how many people have already signed up for Virgin Galactic. And by the way, the stock has tripled. I don't know if you saw that. They haven't even done these flights yet, and they tripled. But from what I understand, they have a large number of people who've either paid in full or put the deposit down. Do a quick search. Tell me how many people um, have done this, uh, and let's go on to the next story, which is Kickstarter employees have unionized. Yes. The average salary is $97,000 at Kickstarter uh, and they've unionized. Uh 46 employees voted in favor 37 opposed, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. Okay. Um and the debate's been a source of tension at the company for a number of months, but the reason they're doing it seems to be that there was a lot of tension about which projects they take. So it's very easy to look at this, and I, made a, I sort of dunked on this, as I'm prone to do on the Twitter. I said, thank God the union was approved. Not sure how much longer these Kickstarter employees would last under these conditions. And then they screenshotted that the average salary there is $97K. Um, but I actually think I would rather see these people get stock and have it go public. This is really weird to me that people who are making a ton of money need to have a union when they could leave this company and have 20 other jobs, it's like, tech workers need a union? What do you think, Monique?
2: Am I missing something here? Is this my white mouse's privilege I'm speaking? I'm not opposed to tech workers unionizing. Right. But is I'm, it I'm, net, I'm is actually thinking, th- I think it's net positive. Okay. Right? Um, I think if tech workers start to unionize, um, you know, you'll have better issues around treatment, like uh, as you get older, getting pushed out of a tech company. Okay, age discrimination. um, Age discrimination, all types of discrimination, sexual harassment, all of those sorts of things. But
1: aren't all those actionable already? Like, why do you need a union to step in to do that? Um, You can just
2: sue people if they do something bad like that. You can, but it's really hard to sue a massive tech company that has a lot of money. Really? Even as a person who makes ninety seven thousand yeah. dollars a year, which is not that actually that much here in San Francisco. I
1: wonder. I think there is a lot of people take it on contingent, but I am I am just wondering, like, would you want somebody between as a like high paid tech worker? Would you want somebody in between you and your ability to negotiate? Because my understanding is a lot of these companies want this to happen. Mm-hmm. This is the back channel that I heard. Okay, give me the back channel. I am giving you the back channel. This is fantastic. Now we don't have to negotiate salaries anymore because everybody with five years gets 97. Everybody with six years gets 103. Everybody with 12 years gets this. We no longer have to have some you know, otherworldly developer who is you know, the 10x developer, which does exist in the world. You can have a five or 10x yeah. of anything. 10x salesperson, 5x salesperson, 5x marketer, 5x, 10x. We don't have to pay them more because we just look at the union chart and say, well, the union says this is what we pay you. Yeah. And when Garker and all those... Um. Well, the media companies, which are like sinking, as we talked about in segment one, they're all sinking and unionizing at the same time. Yeah. So they're literally fighting over like the last little bit of like they're they're literally fighting over the remaining lifeboats on the Titanic. That's the way I look at it
2: in the media sense. In this sense, these things are going up into the right. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that that is the back channel kind yeah. of speaks to the need for better worker protections, right? Isn't that sort of making the case?
1: I I, I did think that, actually. It's interesting that we we were thinking the same thing. And I thought to myself, well, I think they would rather not deal with a union person, Yeah. like coming to their office and be like, I represent 3,000 developers at Google. They all want more kind bars. And then I would just be like, okay, you know what? We're now turning all the food to paid. No more free food. Like, that's what this is going to turn into because the benefits that people have at tech companies are absurd. Yeah. So, what is the union going to do and be like, Google, you're spending, Google spends $17 a day, I think, on lunch for each person or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Just lunch. Like, what are they going to do? Come in and say, we want you to spend 24? I don't know. Wait, what do you think? If, if your employees came to unionize, like, would you be like, okay, fine? Or is this necessary? What are I
0: don't they- know. the un- So the unit I'm most familiar with is the players' union for Major League Baseball. Uh-huh. And clearly, those people are very well paid. Yeah. I mean, highest of Absurdly the highest. Absolutely well. Yeah. However, too, yeah. you can look at how, how the Players' Association in Major League Baseball are not happy with the agreements they have because the – when you're early in your career your salaries are depressed so you see a player like Mike Trout who gets paid basically nothing for the mm-hmm. first you know five years of his career but he's the best player in baseball but right. that's what the union has negotiated with owners so and he so the, can't be outside the union yeah so he can't everyone is a part that's of that's what union. I want to understand is and can so not be outside
1: the union like if LeBron James said you know what I don't want to be a part of the union
0: well I think I, I'm not really sure if he can't I think he has to be a part of the I union think you have to be Ryan. and and it creates this weird incentive where, you know, you sort of, in Major League Baseball, you your career arc looks like the first five, ten years of your career, you're playing at the top of the game, but you're under these union issues where you can't be a free agent. Then by the time you're a free agent, you're sort of over the hill a little bit. So, yeah. like, you clearly have earned that salary, and you go out and try and get one, but no one wants to pay you that because they don't think you can deliver on it anymore. So... That what's happened is what the union is negotiating in Major League Baseball isn't what's best for the players. So it feels like, you know, you can have unions that do a good job of negotiating on behalf of their, you know, workforce, and you can equally have unions that do a bad job right. of negotiating on behalf of your workforce. So in my mind, unions are neither good nor bad. It just is how capable are the people who are running those yeah. of advocating for the the, the workforce. Mm.
1: It's fascinating to me. Like in the NBA, they look at the rookies because they also have cap salaries. Yeah, they want those players, and they're like, "This rookie is an asset because it's oh, they're they're getting paid two or three million dollars, but they're they're performing better than this fifteen million dollar, thirty-two year old mm-hmm. that." And it's like, "Well, that's like unnecessarily insane. Like, why would a person who's performing over have their salary capped? It's because the union yeah. negotiated that. So now, for if- other protections, like." hey if you're going to drug test people or there there are times when a group of people saying hey enough cuz with the nba players they wanted to like take blood samples and like put wearables on them and just have every single piece of data on them 24 hours a day and they're like yeah no i am not like <laughs> uh, you know a piece of livestock here where you're going to like put me into a pen and literally study everything i mean this yeah. is like really oppressive paradoxically some Folks are opting into it because they want to optimize for health and they're doing blood tests on their own and hiring third parties to do it. Mm -hmm. But there's something weird about like my boss is taking my blood test and like knows my sleep patterns and everything every day of my life. Yeah. There's something very weird and invasive about that. It feels invasive, right? And so that's what the Players Association looked at. And then also NBA players can't smoke weed. What? Yeah. Like San Francisco... I, I can't not smoke weed if I walk down the street. We had a meeting in the studio the other day. We opened the window. The guy was blazing a joint that was so fat that the whole room smelt like weed. This poor guy sitting by the window couldn't pitch his company. I'm not joking. He was contact hide. Yep. Uh, well, congratulations to Kickstarter. Kickstarter is also like a charming company in a way because they decided they would be a benefit corporation, never go public or anything. So I think Kickstarter does not is in no way representative of tech actual companies. I think yeah. that unionization of tech companies is going to fail because at a company like Kickstarter, which is a socialist company, like literally like a communist socialist kind of company, they don't want to go public. They don't ever want to pay their investors back. They've been very public about it. they want to be Corp. They would be a nonprofit if they could. They were upset about a punch a Nazi um, book. I think either being taken off or put on. So the actual employees want control over which projects they put on Kickstarter. So I think that's the core of this. Interesting. Which is even more interesting. It's not about pay. I think it's about what. If I come to work at Kickstarter, do I want to have a Ben Shapiro or a Milo Yiannopoulos Kickstarter mm-hmm. up on there?
0: You know, like or I want to have a say in the the sort of moral or ethical work that we do as a company. Yeah.
1: Right. Which is really getting interesting here. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Oracle thing with Larry Ellison. It's like hosting Trump and like yeah. somebody who did a petition. I was like, that person doesn't <laughs> want to work at Oracle, apparently. <laughs> Can you imagine you're at Oracle? Larry Ellison has a fundraiser for Trump. And then you go onto the Oracle. My yeah. understanding is this person went onto the Oracle like chat system or whatever and circulated a petition. It's like yeah, you work for Larry Ellison. Like the guy's got – owns – half the samurai swords in existence <laughs> guy bought every piece it's of samurai, like samurai armor in the world <laughs> like, there's no samurai armor left I was talking to another billionaire he's like you can't get any samurai armor I'm like what are you talking about he's like <laughs> oh, all the samurai armor is that's, in that's uh, first world problems right, right? there <laughs> literally <billionaires laughs> yeah. Larry Ellison of the market on swords <laughs> yep. and armor from like feudal times in Japan wow. you can get new stuff if you want to get a new yeah. samurai sword you can get
0: just it just not the old stuff you
1: can't get the old stuff yeah. he's got it it's either in a museum yeah, or Larry Ellison's backyard.
2: Well, uh, I was in the market for some samurai. Well, you know who to go to. I know. I if you, could <laughs> you know. Him. What, I'm looking at. I'll, a new, I'll show up at yeah. the Trump fundraiser. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I have a new SaaS company.
1: You can look at a samurai as a service. I'm, I'm actually the co-founder. Yeah. You basically just take out your phone. You just get a samurai shows up. How about it's that? Like 200 bucks an hour. Okay. <laughs> Listen, you, some people have bodyguards. I just walked down the street with a samurai. Yeah. You can't. You can't carry a weapon, but you, uh, you know, a gun. But you can have. You a can samurai have a samurai ride. with a sword. How great would that be? That would be amazing. This is what I'm going to do if I'm ever a billionaire, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally, as a when I'm a billionaire, yeah. I'm going to get two
0: samurai guards. Just walk around.
1: And I'm just going to walk around with two samurai. And yeah. people go, can I take a selfie? And the is going to go, Sht
0: i oh, oh, wow.
1: like, look at him. Okay, you do so. <laughs> Yeah.
0: I always wanted more of a jam band behind me. You, know, you did, pump yeah. up your life yeah. a little bit. I think that would be cool. Into
1: it. Yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. Just have like, uh, there's like a commercial about that. You know, a guy like Bob Weir behind. Yeah. You. It's like, you know, he spills his coffee on his shirt and it's like, just needs a little bit of a pick me up or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Blues Traveler. Yeah. Get a harmonica. Who's got the harmonica? Yeah, that guy. That'd be great
1: behind you. All right. When we get back. Uh. We're going to talk about a great new world. A lot of people making products for old people, for aging yeah. people, which I am going to be part of. I'm going to be 50 this year. It's over for We're me. We're all going to be part of it. We're all going to be Eventually. part of it. I, I I'm hope I'm going to be part of this because I'm hoping that I can make it to 120 years old. I want to be, what do they call those zones where the people make it to 120 or something over on, blue zones yeah. over 100?
2: No no? no. no? You want to go out Yeah. on top of I'll your game? Put my head in oven if <laughs> I like up. I all right. That's it fine. It got dark. We'll be back <laughs> in a minute. Okay.
1: Listen, if you broke your arm, would you go to the doctor? Of course you would. Mental health, no different. If you're suffering right now, you got to get some help. You may have some stuff that you're dealing with at work or at home that you need to talk to somebody about. And BetterHelp is the world's largest counseling service for improving your mental health. And there's a reason why they're here on this podcast, because they know a lot of people in our audience are people who are optimizing their lives to be high performers. Well, mental health is part of that. BetterHelp is going to help you assess your needs. They're going to match you with a counselor from their network of licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapists. And you're going to start communicating with one in 24 hours. It's that simple. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. If you want to get a book on Audible or if you got a, a crisis issue, you know what to do you know, dial an 800 number one of those emergency lines. No, this is professional counseling done securely online. And with better help, you can access a counselor network with a broad range of expertise. There's somebody for everybody in there. And you can avoid the nine to five of traditional therapy, where you got to take off from work, you got to miss what's going on. No, you can message your counselor anytime, which is what we want to do. And you can easily change counselors if you need to. And this is one of the reasons people don't get help. It's because they have a therapist that it's not a match, it's not a fit for whatever reason. And then you're like, Oh my god, I got to go through this whole rigmarole to try to get a new one. Well, BetterHelp will quickly change counselors if you need that. And you can schedule video sessions or phone sessions with your personal counselor. It's super easy. You'll never have to sit in that uncomfortable waiting room again. Nope. You can do it all online. Get that therapy in the comfort of your own home for less than a traditional counselor. BetterHelp is on a mission to provide everyone with easy, affordable, and private access to professional counseling anytime, anywhere. So get started today. This Week in Startups, listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com twist. That's betterhelp.com slash twist, H-E-L-P. Let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups, our news roundtable, February 21st, 2020. Monique Woodard is with us and Wade Foster from Zapier, which makes you happier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gray New World. Is the gray world, that's, is that a new term?
2: Uh, f- for this industry? Services for people over 50 or 60? Is this... You know, I think people are calling it a lot of different things. Um, I've heard people calling it Elder Tech. Elder Tech, people I heard. People yeah. are calling it the longevity economy. Um, you know, I just happen to call it the gray new world. Yeah. Um, Love it. Thank you. Okay, Boomer. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, Boomer. <laughs> okay, Boomer. Yeah. It's like they, they're saying, okay, Boomer now.
1: Yeah, exactly. To boomer. Gen X. How old do you weigh? Are you 32? I'm
0: 33. Yeah, I got that.
1: So you're a millennial or you're on the- I'm a millennial, You're a millennial. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. So you right would say, the-
1: okay, boomer, to Monique and I in a, a ironic way, knowing we're not boomers. Ah, okay. That's how it works. <laughs> got it. You're like, yeah, I, I don't participate in this <laughs> <Yeah. stuff." laughs> uh, So in this study done by Cake MX, whoever that is, 500 people, age 55 <laughs> to 70, uh, <laughs> I don't know who they are. Um, <laughs> it's me.
2: That's your fund? I did the study, Jason. <laughs> we talked about this at dinner. Also. I didn't know what Cake MX is. <laughs> is Cake MX your
1: company? Yes. Sorry, that threw me off. I knew you would do it. You did a report on it, but yeah. I didn't know what Cake yeah, MX yeah. is. Okay, so Cake That's MX me. is yours. Yeah. This is your 2020 report on aging. We're very good friends.
2: We actually are.
1: What does Cake MX stand for? <laughs> it's Cake Mix. Got it. Perfect. Uh, Seventy million boomers in the US spend 3.2 trillion annually by 2030. 20% of the US will be 65 plus. I didn't know that. We have an yeah. aging population. And they spend 27 hours a week online, 7 billion in online shopping, and 10,000 boomers returning 65 every day, 79% plan to age in place, not move to a retirement home.
2: Why is that last piece so important? So previously a lot of people would expect to move into an assisted living facility, a retirement home, or some other sort of place outside the home as they age. But what we're now seeing is that people are actually wanting to age in their homes and stay in their homes. Um which brings up Yeah. I don't want to leave. Well, see, you'll be aging in place. Um, But it brings up a lot of interesting challenges and issues. So how do you help people remain safe in their own home? How do you help them continue to age as they lose mobility and maybe Mm. can't move up the stairs? Um, So one, I think there are lots of opportunities to help them age it within the home. How do you help people remodel their home so they can stay in it longer? Ah. How do you help people um, continue to afford their home on a retirement salary?
1: Right. Right. Reverse mortgage. Exactly. And being part of it.
2: Right, or something like SilverNest, where I'm an investor. where oh, SilverNest Silver Nest is a platform that matches uh, like-aged roommates um, ah. so that you can rent out a part of your home. So it's Airbnb for seniors. What a great idea. Yeah. This is one of the things, like where I live here in the peninsula,
1: I live in the Hillsborough Burlingame area, and um, very few homes come up for sale because the way we do taxes here is taxes are based on whenever you bought the home. Mm-hmm. So if you bought the home in the 70s or 80s for a million dollars or 500,000 dollars you're paying 1% of that. Then the home becomes worth 5 million or 10 million. And you can't leave because if wherever you go the taxes are going to yeah. be so high. So people are living in 4,000, you know, five bedroom square foot homes with two people. Mm-hmm. The kids they're empty nesters. And they need to do something with those extra rooms. And so some of them are doing Airbnbs or they put what's called an ADU, accessory dwelling unit, called an in-law unit.
2: in-law house. In-law
1: house. They move into the in-law house to rent the main house. And then that's how they make their money, right? So for their retirement. Um, And we're totally seeing stuff like medicine and prescriptions go online. Definitely you have Nest Cams and remote Mm -hmm. telemedicine happening. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a big space. Any other companies you find in here? There was one company we had on the podcast that's doing loneliness, for women over 50.
2: Yeah, Revel. Revel. That's a great idea. Revel, Papa. um, Papa's also uh, focusing on on social isolation, um, sort of grandkids as a service. So having uh, college students come over, run errands, play chess, you know, do all the things that grandkids might do. But, you know, people, families are much more distributed than they were before, right? Right. So you may live a thousand miles away from, from your grandparents. Right. Um, and so it's, it's creating these really interesting challenges, but that's where I think startups can step into the middle of and create platforms and services that are specifically targeted to this massive, um, group. And we're also on the cusp of a care crisis. Um, We don't have enough care workers Hmm. to actually take care of people as they get older. And um, care, home care, home health care, is a huge turnover industry and people are tremendously underpaid for the services that they're actually providing. So how do we help people access better care as they get older? Mm. Yeah, we had
1: uh, we had an investment in Home Hero, which was trying to automate this. It didn't work out. And then we had Seth uh, from um, Honor, Honor yeah. on the pod as well. He's trying to make home care automated. That's so expensive, so hard to do. Mm-hmm. But what I love about Pop and some of those other platforms is they're not – medical attendants. They're just people who run errands. Exactly, And that loneliness is such a big part of this. And online can solve that.
2: Um, Yeah. Wow. What a great space. Yeah. It's a great space. It's one of the major demographic changes that I think are changing the way we should be investing. Uh,
1: For those of you wondering, uh, Lisa from Revel was on episode 970 and uh, Andrew Parker from Papa was on episode 875. We're getting to the point now, Way that Everybody's been on the podcast. So anytime (laughs) we mention every company, we just say a number. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, Wade. Wade was uh, 626. 626. That's your number, 626. 626. you to remember that. Just remember 626. Anybody ask you to say 626, look it up. Three Um, figures. So are you, are you going to raise a fund around this, you think, or is this going to be like a specific thing? Or?
2: Yeah, I am going to raise a fund around that demographic change white space. Yeah. Aging is certainly a part of it. It won't be just aging. Right. You oh, know, you said I, before,
1: yeah, you want to also I do the changing I think there are also
2: other changing demographics yeah. that are going to be uh, areas that investors should be investing heavily in.
1: Yeah. We actually have a company in our accelerator called Nudebar um, and... Uh, Serena Williams also was an angel investor in it, and they make undergarments that come in 12 different shades because uh, Erin, the woman who's the founder, was a Nick City dancer, my Mm. team, and she shows up, and they give her like a pair of stockings and leggings for her outfit, and they're beige, and she's black and there's many tones now. and now in the skin tones now because we have so many people who are mixed race. Mm-hmm. My kids are mixed race. I mean, look like, so many draws. So many people are marrying each other and having mixed race kids. You don't even have underwear that matches for women. So like, yeah.
2: I mean, are, how cosmetics that not exist? is also, has Which also one? cosmetics and beauty have oh, also right. been huge industries. The rise of Fenty Um, Fenty? Fenty is uh, Rihanna's beauty brand. Oh, right. Yes. Um, So it was one of the first that came out with like this huge array of shades that would actually match skin tones that weren't um, light, medium, and dark, right? That
1: literally were the three tones. Right.
2: (laughs) They're like... (laughs) Uh, Minted cosmetics, which I invested (laughs) in, beauty brand for women of color. Right. Um, Also trying to, uh, you know, give you better lipsticks that actually match um, browner browner skin tones, better makeup.
1: Amazing. Like, such a huge opportunity. Yeah. And the, all these demographics just totally underserviced. Exactly. It's like when you put a product out that's good, if there's no other competing products, you're competing against nobody. It's like
2: just a perfect path to victory. Yeah. Consumers are super hungry for this. So I think this is a, a massive opportunity. Huge. All right. Twitter is combating fake news with some new features.
1: NBC News uh, put up an article there's a leaked Twitter demo um, and they plan on putting um, – and let's see. They're testing new ways to fight this. Um, and Ben Collins says, here's what it might look like. Might. This is his design. Uh, these are screenshots from, that were left on a public testing site. Twitter confirmed mm-hmm. their possible iterations. So these are not official yet. But – Bernie Sanders – it's a Bernie Sanders tweet that says 40% of the guns in the country are sold without any background checks. We have to end the absurdity of the gun show loophole. Harmfully misleading. Twitter community reports have identified this tweet as violating community policy on harmful misleading information tweets. Visibility will reduce. That's bonkers. And this shows you how hard it is to police speech. Yeah. Like – this is not Twitter's job to do this. Th- I mean, just from this tweet, this will never work. What do you think, Wade? I'm You're, glad you
0: have a platform. I'm glad they're trying. Yeah, uh, it's it's a Herculean task. Uh, but Twitter, for so long, had was just it hadn't changed. Yeah. hadn't tried to do anything. So yeah. it's I, I, I like seeing technology companies at least a, 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 make an attempt.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I like that there is an attempt to um, filter out fake news, um, but I don't. I I worry that this can be weaponized by troll farms. Of course, right? Because yeah. it is community driven rather than yeah. you know an editorial board or or something like that. Um, so I I can see this easily being weaponized by by people who have wrong intentions. It-
0: there's an interesting article on Wikipedia I read a while back. I forget where it was, and maybe the New York Times or something like that where they talked about how Wikipedia has managed to remain somewhat neutral in a very – in a community-driven way because anyone yeah. can make changes to, to to that. And so really dug into how two polarizing sets of people can attack a controversial topic inside of Wikipedia and come out with it something that reads fairly, fairly neutral. because they pause
1: the page. They lock it down. Mm-hmm. They've got this, like, cobble of, like, early editors who yeah. kind of all agree. Yeah. Like librarians, I think um, – The co-founders, Larry Sanger and Jimmy Wells, Mm co-founders of Wikipedia, Um, really Larry Sanger was the person who actually came up with the concept and Jimmy Wells took credit for it because he paid for the servers, um, which is a little point of history. and. They lock those pages down. Those people are all librarians in that early cohort. They went to mm. the people with library science degrees. So what's actually happened is when a page gets you know, really controversial, they just lock it down and they don't let anybody's edits go through. Yeah. And then if they, they'll lock it like a month later, if there aren't a bunch of edits, if it happens again, they just lock it down, any mm. controversial page. And here's where it gets, when you want to talk about like how insane it is to try to do this, the potential UI, question one, given current evidence, is it likely this tweet contains harmfully misleading information that could cause real-world harm to individuals society? likely harmful misleading, unlikely harmful misleading. Question two, what percentage of the community members will answer the same as you? The more accurate your answer, the more your report will count. The more you receive question three, and they have a slider from zero to 100%. What about this tweet? Does or does not make it harmless. This is the kind of interface that's so easy, as you're saying, when you to just game. Yeah. You just, I mean, the, the Russians are like, thank you. Yeah. Clear shot on goal. Everything Trump <laughs> says is 87% true. Everything <laughs> that Bloomberg says is 14% true. Uh, block her up. Isn't this already built into Twitter that you can reply and retweet people and fact check them? So why not just, if I was Twitter, you know what I'd do? I would hire a third party company with 20, like, serious researchers on it make it public who those researchers were and then have a twitter account called at fact check and i would make that count verified i'd explain what that count does and i would say every day look at the trending tweets and reply to them with a fact check based on what these 20 people say we we have gone away from the age of um respecting expertise to thinking the crowd knows better. The crowd does not always know better. Quotes from the article, disinformation or misleading information posted by public figures will be corrected directly beneath the tweet by fact checkers and journalists who are verified on the platform and possibly other users who participate in the community reports. Okay, well, that was just my idea. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't so realize that. We there it. you go. There you go. In one iteration of the demo, Twitter users could own points and a community badge if they contribute to good faith. Yeah. I would not make this a community thing. I would literally hire 20 experts and let those people debate it on a different form. And actually, I had this idea. I bought the domain name annotated.com, mm. and I still own it. And my idea was to just hire 20 fact-trackers, maybe when I retire, I'll do this, yeah. and just have them annotate stuff on the web they think is right or wrong. What do you, how would you do, Wade? What would you do here? What would your approach be? Do you think this is going to
0: work? you think they're going to execute on this? You said it's nice they're trying. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, it feels like it gets heavily slanted towards the majority opinion, like the majority belief will stand out. Uh, and so it could reduce the voice of folks who are just simply underrepresented, which... You know, I don't know if that's good or bad. It seems like there's we should have all viewpoints represented here. Um, I certainly like the idea of having fact checkers, like literal experts, that have sort of, you know, that are they're digging into these topics, replying to it. So maybe it helps, but I don't know. It it seems hard. I'm skeptical. All right, when we
1: get back for this quick break, Blue Apron went from being worth 1.9 billion. To a market cap of now 58 million the stock is down 97 percent since their ipo i want to know is this a bad sign for doordash and seamless or are those different type of companies and what we think went wrong here uh they raised 200 million of funding before the ipo and is this indicative of some bigger picture we can spin it into the the fight between doordash uh grubhub and uber eats and get back on the future Hey, everybody. Have you been thinking about upgrading your workstation? Do you want to be more efficient at work? Well, Dell for Entrepreneurs wants to help you level up your tech hardware. This program was created to support founders, just like my program, Launch. And they do it by providing resources and tools that will help your startup grow and scale your technology scaling your company means more than just hiring of course hiring is important but you want to get the right equipment so each of those hires is getting the most done with let's face it the least amount of effort you want to be efficient i love these dell monitors i've been obsessed with them for a long time and that's actually how the relationship started somebody on my team mentioned dell for entrepreneurs i was like By the way, open your eyes. Everybody here has a giant Dell monitor for a reason. Well, founders that register for Dell for Entrepreneurs will have a wide range of free resources for startups, such as free IT consulting from experts who are ready to help you with any IT-related question. Your needs, your projects, doesn't matter what size. And you're going to get access to capital for buying hardware with Dell Financial Services. they are thinking about founders and entrepreneurs, and you know that that capital is Precious, And if you can uh, use Dell Financial Services to spread out those payments, well, that's going to put you in a low monthly payment as opposed to a giant capital expenditure. They give you great rewards like earning up to 6% cash back on Dell products. So here is the CTA, the old call to action. Every founder should take advantage of this program right now. Level up your hardware today and save 43% by going to Dell.com slash twist, D-E-L-L.com slash twist and registering for Dell for Entrepreneurs. That's Dell.com slash twist, and you'll save up to 43%. Tons of great product from Dell, but the monitors, ooh, I love those monitors. Thanks again to Dell for supporting independent media like this podcast. All right, Blue Apron continues its uh, fall from grace. Wow. $1.9 billion at their IPO. Now the market ups, $58 million, stock down 97%. Was this just a bad business model or a bad product market fit? What do you think? Did you ever use it? I've never used Blue Apron. I used it. It was actually good. Yeah. We didn't keep using it, but we did use <laughs> it and enjoy it. I could see-
0: There's the problem right there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think if I was like a busy person, I would use it. I'm not actually that busy and I like to cook, uh, but I like going to the market and buying stuff. I don't like somebody else doing all that. I enjoy going to the market. I'm like one of those people who likes to go to the farmer's market and look at stuff. And
2: That was our that. problem too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is, Same. you know, my wife wants to pick out the produce. Like, yeah, she doesn't right. trust
2: anyone else to do it for her. And so, Yeah, are there um, enough busy people who want that like who to cook, actually have the time right, to cook? Who <laughs> have the time to cook, <laughs> <laughs> so won't order things online, mm-hmm. right? Um, and want to have things delivered to them in a box. And for how long do they want to do and that? And pay a premium for and it. And pay a premium for
1: yeah. it. Uh, right. So, it fits between ordering on Uber Eats... And DoorDash, Postmates, Mm -hmm. or buying your own food and cooking it. It's not that much different, maybe, than buying your own food and cooking it. Mm -hmm. And And if you're busy, you
0: go to DoorDash or or Uber Eats or whatever. Right. Or you go out to. Yeah.
1: It seemed to fit. It didn't fit. What I think is really interesting, and I do, is I go to a couple of shops locally that prepare food Mm -hmm. and they freeze it because when you have kids you get busy and they have this great mac and cheese, this great eggplant parm, the girls love it, I love it. And uh I'll just keep that in the refrigerator and then if we're busy I can just pop in the mac and cheese, eggplant parm, you know, maybe uh you know, a roast chicken and we're boom, we're done. Mm-hmm. And I like that kind of a service that would keep your refrigerator like that. And there are some of these new sto- stoves that are doing like pre-prepared meals that you can slide mm-hmm. in. Um but I guess they may be up for sale. Um, yeah, this just seems like going public before you have product market fit is a bad idea. That's
0: how I would file this. I mean, the unit economics of this business were just not good. It yeah. was difficult.
2: Yeah. Um, this was always a difficult business yeah. to run. And I just, I just think the public markets didn't, um, didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, the public markets, say what you will about them and there are weird moments that happen like all these people shorting Tesla, and then all these people who are long Tesla. like these are very weird moments and in a way it's just like people betting there's a huge incentive system money and people can bet against each other as to what they think is going to happen just like they do in sports and the betting line moves in sports well the betting line here said i don't think that this has enough margin to scale and then with uber they did the same thing they said you know what we would like to you to prove to us that you could be profitable. And what did Uber do? They're like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to sell some unprofitable units. We're going to shut down some offices. And every time they do that and they close the gap, the stock Start goes up two them. bucks. And I'm like, okay, if this is what it's going to take, by all means, I still have most of my shares. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make it profitable. Uh, that's what the public market wants. And I think what we found is the perfect system. Private markets go for growth. If you have good unit economics, go for growth. Build the biggest pie possible. And then public markets, you got to shift gears a little bit. So maybe it's it can be too, we, we can m- make that happen a little smoother. But I do think in the private markets, if there's enough private funding, why not go for growth if you mm-hmm. have good unit economics? But you did it differently, Wade.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think eventually all businesses are meant to generate cash. Uh, they have to generate some cash, enough to pay your expenses. Yeah. Uh, and in the private markets, perhaps you can sort of delay that but not for forever mm. um eventually the sort of tastes of you know the private markets will change and if your business isn't set up to to manage that shift mm. you're you're going to be caught you know uh with the tides going out on you i assume um, that
1: your business is either very profitable or could be if you chose to when you look at the end of the year and you say, "Hey, well, we could have a you know whatever amount of money coming back to shareholders, distributed, pay taxes," do you just look at that and say, "Well, I'll just invest it in the business"?
0: Yeah, we generally are trying to figure out, "Hey, where are the new areas we can go invest in?" Right, uh, and, and chase those things. Right. Yeah. So you like to do
1: what Bezos did, which is the the one dollar profitable company.
0: Yeah, it's like you know you want to you want to sort of manage it. We set a baseline for the year and say, "Hey, this is where we think we're going to be at the end of the year. Yeah. That's our budget." Perfect. Did you ever
1: go over and say, "Hey, let's be more aggressive"? Like you just were too profitable, and like you know what? Let's just see if we can deploy this money. Towards We've something.
0: never tried to spend more than that. Not We've more, said, but yeah.
1: if you if you got close to it, do you say like, "Let's let's try to invest more"? Have those moments happen where you're sitting around a table saying, "How can we grow the business faster? How can we?" put Oh, sure. This money? Yeah,
0: we'll we'll ha- ask those questions of ourselves, but we're yeah. always looking at the end of the day: is this fundamentally sound? Is this a thing yes. that can generate cash over the long haul? We're not right. we're not trying to fig- come up with plays where it's like, well, w- we hope that some third party is going to decide that we can keep having our fun over here. Like yeah. we want to be able to control our own destiny. Yeah, smart.
1: I you know had that happen with the podcast itself. I was like, well, the podcast is doing really well. Let's try and I did it last year. I was like, what if we spent ten percent of whatever money we make promoting the podcast? So we just Mm -hmm. would promote clips to people we probably don't know about the show. Mm -hmm. So we'll take some clips from this and every episode maybe put a thousand, two thousand dollars to promoting those clips that then get people to think and since we started doing that last year, the number of people who stopped me on the street went up 5X. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it like, works. oh, there are people who aren't fans of the show who are running into the show. They're running into a great guest. And then we pull them into the longer yeah, episode. Yeah, you get more casual fans to check you out. Exactly. Because people are busy. Mm-hmm. And marketing actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lambda School and these ISAs, income sharing uh, agreements, um, have become quite controversial just so people understand you can go to a school called lambda l-a-m-d-b-d-a they uh will let you pay i think twenty thousand dollars in cash we had austin the founder on he was on episode number come up in my chat in a minute anyway austin was on the pod really smart kid uh and uh he's very vocal on twitter they will let you pay twenty thousand dollars i think it's a nine-month program uh you pay it up front um or you can pay a percentage of your salary that's higher, and that winds up being $30,000. They were bundling all of these um, ISAs, income sharing agreements, basically like student loans, and bundling them, selling them to people who were like, oh, wow, we're going to make whatever, 10% on this, not 4%. It's a good deal. So they would bundle them up. This, to me, sounded like a good use of the financial system. The issue that's come up now, and again, back to the press being potentially either watchdogs or overly negative... Uh, the headline, Lambda School, a buzzy online coding bootcamp backed by big Salic- Silicon Valley names could be placing far fewer graduates in jobs than it says. That's actually a pretty straight headline. Mm-hmm. I like it. And that's from Business Insider. Uh, they claim 86% of graduates, according to this story, are hired within six months. In May 19, they told investors that roughly 50% of students are placed six months after graduation. So who knows if these two numbers – were changed over time. It could be changing over time. Yeah. Lambda says the numbers were taken out of context and that it will be releasing its own data shortly. I'll take them at their word. Students allegedly felt the quality fell short and some even likened it to a cult. I like the idea when people make it a cult. That's to me like a good <laughs> sign that something's powerful. Um, but not everybody is going to get the value of the education. So if you look at the the way I look at this is you look at the college education system, how many people come out of their degrees and, are like, well, that wasn't worth it. I think that's like 80% of people probably look back on their college <laughs> degree and are like, well, that, on a dollar basis, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I did it, perhaps, but on a dollar basis, maybe not worth it. What do you think is going on here?
2: So I think the bigger issue is that students have been complaining about the level of quality that their instructors um, kind of churn out on a high at a high rate and that they're not getting... Um, what they paid for, hmm. so I think that is the biggest issue that I see. The eighty-six percent versus fifty percent—who knows when those numbers were quoted?
1: I and love fifty percent. I mean, do fifty percent of college graduates get a great right. job in their field? I don't think so.
2: Right. Um, so I think as long as they're not misrep- wildly misrepresenting those right. numbers, yeah. right, to, to potential students in, in particular, right. I think you know I'm I'm yeah. not that worried about it.
0: I I tend to agree. I mean I, the ISA is it's intriguing. Like I it's if it great works idea. out like this is better than going to college. College is expensive and it takes yeah. a long time. So if this yeah. is uh fruitful then great. Um if the marketing is misleading, uh if they're sharing false numbers, that's a problem. Like yeah, you course, don't want to yeah. hoodwink someone into you know, coming to spend time on your program if you can't back it up. So, I don't know if I'm in their shoes. I'm being very careful about the numbers I put out. Always um, be conservative. You don't yeah. want to hoodwink people. Yeah, you, you want, want to bamboozle people. Want to, you want to underpromise, overdeliver. That's don't lead them like <laughs> totally it's um, turn into a Donnybrook. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right,
0: uh, <laughs> crazy. Yeah.
1: No, I mean I am very. Uh, attuned to this mm-hmm. because people are like, Angel oh, you can uh, we have a thing, the syndicate.com, which you should join with now that you're riching up this company, you should <laughs> oh, no, Angel no, Investing. Okay. But anyway, you can look at the deals I'm investing in mm-hmm. and you can put in 2K or 10K. And I'm very clear with people like majority of startups fail.
0: Yeah. I'm not kidding. 80% mm-hmm. go to zero. This money is probably disappearing.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the people who have, according to Angelist study or any relative study, you need to hit a certain number of investments to have a chance of an outside return, like mm-hmm. maybe investing in a Zapier. That means you're going to have a lot of blue aprons and maybe hit a Zapier on your thirtieth. And I tell people, I think the number is thirty in terms of diversification, but that's my guess. Yeah, only invest money you can lose, and that's why I put in our syndicate the lowest possible minimum, which is like one or two thousand. I think we go two thousand, and if somebody emails like, "Can I put a, just a thousand?" and I'm like, "Sure, if we have room." I don't want anybody ever coming to me and saying I misrepresented anything, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think uh, that serves Austin either. The weird part that nobody's talking about here is, my understanding of this is, if you don't get a job- You don't pay, right? You don't pay. So what are we talking yeah. about here? If they're taking the risk of giving you the education for free, what does it matter? If Let's just say there's no, they don't chase people down when they become a barista and say, we're going to take 14% of your barista income after the nine-month program, if 10% got jobs, it would still be worth running because they took the risk. Mm-hmm. And if one out of 10 people, and it costs 20000 if it costs, let's say, 15000 to provide the program, that's their actual cost. If one out of 10 people actually became a developer, that would actually be worth it for society. And then people are like, well, what if
0: you waste nine months and uh, what if you drop out of college to do this?
1: That's like what some people might say.
0: Yeah. This is where the expectations are what matters. Like if those students come into that agreement knowing that like, hey, the odds are one in 10 and it's likely I'm nine, of, one of the nine of 10 yeah. and I'm still willing to put the effort in, that's on them. Listen, if it's one in 10 and it's nine months, mm-hmm. I think a
1: lot of kids – should go spend nine months trying ten different things, yeah it's like six or seven years of your life. It's called your twenties mm-hmm. go try it. I would rather see students instead of going to a college and going two hundred fifty k debt for a degree. I would have degree, rather done this yeah yeah try here we go we're going try we're going try up to ten different careers, nine months each, and maybe you get to career three, four or five each one is you know twenty thousand dollars, but we'll take the risk, and whichever one hits hits mm-hmm. fantastic, yeah. Well, I don't understand. It's like you do something good in the world, I think people are just looking for a way to yeah. attack you.
2: I think if you back up from Lambda School as a company and think about how much attention is paid to relatively young startups that are going to kind of make some mistakes. Right. right? That's the idea. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah. 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 Let's make some mistakes and see if we can make something that changes
2: the world. Exactly. So I think, you know, one of the bigger issues is people paying way too much attention to super early, super young startups that might win, that might fail, that are probably going to make a lot of mistakes, and expecting them to be these perfectly formed companies really early in their life cycle. Mm.
1: Yeah. You, you're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes in the first couple of years. Like how many things, Wade, if you looked at your first three years in business, would you change if you could go back?
0: I mean, we tried to, like, there's a bunch of small mistakes. You, right. know, you try and make your mistakes small. So you go back and there's things where I'm like, yep, yeah, that didn't work. Uh, we spent too much money there. We hired the wrong person there. Uh, we spent, we launched a feature that didn't work. Like, there's tons of that stuff. Right. Um, but you try and keep them contained. You try and keep them small. And that way, when it doesn't work out, it's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah, it sucks. You wish you wouldn't have done it differently, but. Yeah. We call um, it an experiment in the business, Yeah, right? We ran an experiment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It took six months. We yeah. should have done it in three.
1: Yeah. Or we should have run two experiments, or we should have constructed the experiment better.
2: Yeah. But imagine having to make those early mistakes under a microscope. Yeah, I mean, that's And no how fun, detrimental right? that would be to both, like, your mental health as a founder, but also to the business itself. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to be
0: under the microscope that, you know, Austin's under right now. Like, that's yeah. intense. That's also, hard. Also, by the way, um, Wade, yeah. I wish all of my founders made the mistake of raising a million dollars and generating 50 million <laughs> a year. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Please, let's make some of those mistakes. Yeah. We'll make You a don't few even know what's those. going on in Monique and I's portfolios. <laughs> <laughs> we got people who... <laughs> took 10 million burned it and, and made a million i like this 1 million to make 50 oh yeah. my god you're efficient
0: yeah uh that's
1: a great feeling <laughs> look at us huh? i know who'd have guessed it it's a it's a
0: good business <laughs> not me yeah. it's a good business it's a good what business a great business yeah
1: people want to buy your business that's what i understand What's the path for your business? You you just want to keep doing this, don't you?
0: Well, so we're trying to democratize automation. Like, everyone should have the ability to, like, sort of create apps, the whole no code movement. Like, that's the point. You are the no code movement. By the way, I had the guy from Webflow on. Yeah, Vlad. And Mm -hmm. Vlad, and I had Bubble on. Yeah. And I was like, you know what no code means to me? Zapier. Mm -hmm. That's no code hmm And it's the point of it. Like, engineers have known this for a long time. If we are able to build things, you automate things, you have leverage on the world. You can do things mm. and create value in a way that others can't. Well, mm. turns out not many people can code. So if everyone has this ability, they can create leverage, too, on the things that are around them, in their job, in their businesses, whatever they're doing. And so how do we give that superpower to everybody. That's what we're trying to do. We're loving it now.
1: We, we, uh, because we have the syndicate, uh, dot com has 4,000 members now. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you have one of these great deals, we could, we could send it to the syndicate. Maybe we could call, you I know, split the camera some or something. Deals. Maybe, you know, yeah. if you got something, maybe something. we'll give you a little taste.
2: <laughs> so cut, cut off
1: a little slice for Monique. Um, and uh, what's going on with the, uh, we got the 50 bips, says you need a board member. What's going on? <laughs> it feels like you're halfway there. Maybe you guys yep. get coffee after this. Uh, episode 973 for uh, Webflow's Vlad and episode 1021 for uh, Bubble uh, co-CEO Emmanuel. I'm actually going to start a no-code podcast. We're starting a no-code newsletter, mm. inside.com slash no-code. Yep. Because I think this is going to open up for Monique and I in terms of investing in startups. You know how there's like this, why comedy? thing? you have to be a
0: developer. Yeah
1: which i think rightfully so I'm, you would be able to answer this better than me when people felt
2: was a little bit of bias in there yeah some I implicit think, bias that maybe right it's oh do you have a cto yeah uh, and having that be like the one and only thing that, that sort of kicks you out of the process. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we,
0: we've been talking about Blue Apron. Blue Apron could have been a no code startup There's for sure. no reason yeah. that they need sophisticated software. No, you know. they need a great product. Yeah, they need to be able to deliver stuff on time. It's a logistics mm-hmm. business. Right. Uh, but it's, you know, we're, we're pretending that it's a software I have company. So many a people come to company. me and they're like, I
1: have an idea. I'm like, yeah. go ahead and no code it. They're yeah. like, what's yeah. that? I'm
0: like, Google
1: the word no code and yeah. get to work. Yeah. And Now there's no excuse. Like, maybe 5% of people can be developers. 10%.
0: No, if they really set out to do
1: it, you know. Something like that. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Mm -hmm. So if 5% of people, you know, have the wherewithal, the aptitude, and the desire to be a developer, I think no code in the current state puts it at 20. Mm -hmm. I think if you grind another 10 years in Zapier and Vlad on Webflow and Emmanuel on Bubble and a couple other things come out, I think we could be looking at the majority of humans on the planet could start a startup without a developer. Yep. Yeah. That's going to be amazing for society. What a democratization. Yeah, If somebody who's not a developer but who's a liberal arts person or who's a philosopher or an artist could make a startup mm-hmm. and not wait for a developer, yeah. that's the finding the, co- yeah. the... finding the developer co-founder is... It's what? hard. It's and, hard to find that person. And
0: there's so many industries that you know sort of your traditional software engineers just not going to get that excited about. Uh, they don't want to do it. Yeah, but for you you might be in love with that thing. Yep. And yeah. so if you're able to take that first step, that second step on your own, mm-hmm. that's so much more powerful because then you can get some traction, you can get some yeah. things going and then you your doors are open. Yeah. What do you want to do from there? You can, do you want to raise money? You do not want to raise money? Do you want to hire software engineers? Do you not want to hire software engineers? You got choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is it's all about just giving people tools that they can mm-hmm. you know make it happen on their own.
1: All right. It's been an amazing episode. Uh, Austin's going to come on the podcast and uh, we'll talk it out with him. Uh, I think we're going to do that like in a week or two. Um, and anybody else who's got problems, you know, like if you're if your startup is struggling, just a message to other founders and investors, and you want to have a. You know, a fair, uh, you know, it's not going to be an easy, I'm not going to just give you softballs, but if you want to have a fair conversation and not be with a gotcha journalist who's just trying to get a link-baiting title, come on This Week in Startups, because I'll give you the space and the respect, and I'm not going to just try to gotcha journalist you, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the conversation breathe. I'll still ask you a hard question, Austin, about the numbers. We'll have the hard conversation, but this is a safe space. Hashtag safe space. <laughs> uh, it's been a great episode. You hiring? Absolutely, always. And your name is Wade. Yep. And your company's name is Zapier.com. Yep. Did Wade in shipping get Wade at Zapier.com or did you get that email? Wade at Zapier.com? Yeah, I got it. You yeah. got it? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Wade in shipping didn't get it. No, no, he didn't. People are always like, how do I, how do I email it's the CEO? i
0: my email. I know. Right? I would have said it anyway. Wade, I, I mean, yeah. just spoiler alert, like- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you
1: type first name at any company name, it's likely right. to go to that person. Yeah. So
0: give it a uh, shot. Mm-hmm. If you what do you hire for? What's the hardest position? Oh, what's the hardest position? The hardest uh, to we're fill. looking for a design leader right now. A design leader yeah. for Zapier. What yeah. a gig! We'd love to have a, a great design leader. A mm-hmm. world-class design leader yeah. here in the office or at home. So we're totally distributed. <gasps> we don't have an That's office. Kind of so wherever you want to be, This person we're could be great. in Australia. They could be in Sydney. Yeah. They could be. Doesn't matter time zone. Yeah, you got you got an internet connection. She, uh, internet connection. We're good to go. And you're great you at Photoshop. <laughs> illustrator Yeah, uh, we're a we're Think a figma we're a figma, figma company yeah, yeah. Oh, you're we're figma. a figma company yeah so F- people are crazy about figma mm-hmm. oh yeah it's our designers love we never love had it. the
1: figma founder on what's going on oh, nick my. figma episode zero one. no no figma let's yeah. go producer N-A. Nick. let's get figma tbd
0: on. figma what's that? tbd episode tbd
1: yeah. episode it's coming. tbd it's coming this is what we do now yeah. we listen to what people say on the podcast go get it this is the like elite producing <laughs> thing somebody drops something on the podcast we're like book them yeah yep book them let's go figma. figma get on the pod <laughs> That'd be a good one. uh so designer yeah this uh designer. job pays well oh of course six figure job working from home <laughs> whatever yeah. mac you want
2: mm-hmm.
1: you want the mac pro get the mac pro six or seven thousand dollar <laughs> mac pro is that included <laughs>
0: We do set you up with a like a t- an office know, we, budget, like a you know get your oh, you know, really? yeah equip thing yeah get it set up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now for a design lead, that's
1: going to be a little bit higher. So the average person what has like a four or five thousand dollar budget. So I think what we do
0: oh, like stand up desk. laptop, I'm going to have everything. to remember what it is off the top of my head. Wow. So I think we give folks seven grand. <gasps> for your first three years that covers like everything you need. Laptop, and desk, chair. If you leave chair, after three years you have to keep like it for a dollar or something. Yeah, we let you keep it. Um, yeah, so
1: this is a really cool thing that's happening in startups now. I mm-hmm. love this. You, if you stay for three years mm-hmm. you get to keep the laptop for like a dollar. Mm-hmm. And then the company doesn't have to worry about inventory and getting it back for yeah. you to leave. And then, actually, especially in a distributed company. like we, it's, it's so, so we much better. chase yeah. that stuff down? Chasing yeah. it down is the problem. Then the other yeah. thing we do is it's on a 30-month thing or 36-month thing so the Price depreciates 136th. So if you stay with the company for 36 months, you get it for free. But if you leave after 18 months, you can buy that stuff for half. Mm. So if you bought a stand-up desk or whatever, Mm. you just be like, you know what? I'll just keep it. I got my, now I'm set up for my next company. Mm -hmm. But now if, let's just say seven's the average for the creative director of Zapier.
0: (laughs) It's the same. No, come on now. It's the same. (laughs) Look, you got to come in. This is like,
1: But wait a second. You know know that iMac, the one that they're selling, (laughs) that beautiful iMac Pro Tower.
0: They want to get a rate array in there.
1: Maybe we go up to 10.
0: I'm sure they you know, they can they can make that happen on their I'm gonna own. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> for the creative director. You don't go area, from 1 to 50 without a little fiscal responsibility. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But I'm going to yeah. go ahead and say this is
1: a great job. You get some equity yep. in this company, mm-hmm. which is uh, let's be honest, this yeah. could
0: be like Mailchimp Uber level equity. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of like MailChimp. Do you model yourself after that? We do a little. We do a profit sharing like MailChimp does as well. So that's, that's a nice, that's really nice. Yum, yum. Yeah.
1: On a percentage basis, range of what that could be you on know, salary twenty percent,
0: what percent. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: don't hear anybody working in my company. You didn't hear that. <laughs> I I'd give people like five percent sometimes yeah. a little cash bonus at the end of the year. Just yeah. little, you know, we set up we set, set up goals and stuff right like now. that. I know. Goals, Jesus you know. Christ, Sir Charles <laughs> just started a union here at this week in startups. You guys start a union. You know what? That six dollar coffee you got upstairs that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see somebody fight with the union thing? Don't ever start a union with me. <laughs> That's it. Krispy oh, Kremes out. Kind bars out. You guys are going <laughs> to get the generic. What's the generic Kesha bar? Kesha bar? Kesha's bar.
0: <laughs> <Keisha's> bar. <laughs> He's There's not like going to give him the name. I'm not. Yeah. All
1: right. Listen. This has been great. Look at us. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Wait. Hey. Thanks. Um, by the way, thanks for um, sponsoring the podcast. I do appreciate that. Yeah. Kindly when I got it. It's always nice. Sometimes now, like I have uh, these weird moments where, like, they're like, "Oh, can you read this ad?" And I'm like we have Zapier as an advertiser? <laughs> I love Zapier. Way was on the pod. They're like, yeah, we know. He's like, oh, that's great. Then the, the other day, oh, can you read this ad for com? I'm like, oh. like, will you read an ad for Com? I'm like, you want me to read an ad for Uber? <laughs> and Uber sponsored the pod at one point when they were, when Dara came in, they were doing their like apology towards a new Uber. Mm-hmm. I'm reading the thing. Mm-hmm. It's
0: fantastic. Yeah. It's great. Great to I mean, support the pod. Yeah. We love, you know, for podcasts where people use the product, we love sponsoring so it. Because it's yeah. like, look, no brain. You're already going to talk about us anyway. Like, yeah. it's just great. This yeah. is what we do. We do the same Zap mm-hmm. of the Week for you guys where mm-hmm. I, I just make a Zap. Yeah.
1: And then you did Tim Ferriss. He mispronounces the name of the company. I'm not just <laughs> saying. <laughs> I'm making Zap of the Week. Yeah. Tim Ferriss doesn't have how to pronounce Zap. Yeah. But you know, he's Tim Ferriss. You yeah. got to support Tim. I and love him. <laughs> you know what he did? It was so funny on his podcast. I l- Tim's podcast, by the way, is getting great mm-hmm. because he moved from like self optimizing and now he's into love. Mm and he's got a girlfriend. He's been very public talking about this, but you know he, he didn't have a girlfriend for a long time. And you yeah, how he was like self-optimizing, and he's yeah. like, I'm going to optimize my girlfriend. And I like, yeah, I just boy. heard that, I was like, yeah. good luck with that one, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not exactly what you're gonna do. I can tell you right now, you're not optimizing <laughs> yeah. shit. But yeah. he has yeah. literally figured out how to be happy in a relationship, and he's talking about it. And I was, I was texting with him that day, and I said, Tim, I think this is the best Tim Ferriss ever because he was talking about podcasts like, he's like I wonder if everybody's going to be like four hour body people for our work people like the self optimizers are going to be upset that he's talking about relationship goals and relationships I was like Tim trust me your nerd guy male audience yeah if you can teach them i mean, how to <laughs> I talk like to a woman a <laughs> and make eye contact and take them on a date and and meet a girl like y- your audience has no ability to do that this is going to be amazing yeah. your podcast is going to go 10x
2: what's the next book four hour relationship that's what I was four hour relationship <laughs> like, I don't know it doesn't <laughs> quite ring off the tongue in the same way
1: <laughs> four hour conversation till three in the, the four morning Four hour marriage. <laughs> how about that four hour conversation about feelings yeah. here's how to do it oh boy <laughs> um, I actually literally have been teaching like some young colleagues of mine how to like ask a girl on a date they don't know they don't know yeah it's really easy, Wade. You're yeah. married. I'm married, yeah. These kids don't know. I was like, it's very simple. You look the person in the eyes and say, I really think that you're an interesting person. I'd love to get to know you better.
2: Would you be interested in getting to a cup of To be fair, c- like 40-year-old men also
1: don't know. That's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking 40
1: <laughs> But Monique, if just theoretically, if a guy just said the simplest sentence to you, yeah, I, I think you're a fascinating person and I'd love to get to know you better. Yeah. Would you love like to get a cup of coffee with me sometime- I know you're busy but I would just like to I at least more. consider it I mean it, you don't have to be crazy and creepy and you don't right. have to overthink this I think you're interesting uh, I'd love to get to know you better maybe, maybe interesting going on a hike or maybe getting a cup of coffee at some point uh, you know I guess pretty simple and then just wait Wade for the already answer.
2: wants to go out with you Did I know wait,
1: I can tell <laughs> maybe go to side you want to go to <laughs> yeah. wait you have a board of your company
2: <laughs> do you have a board
0: it's the three founders of the That's board. That's it? Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. All right, I'm just going to say it right now. If Monique's not available, <laughs> and I am if available. you're going to go public, <laughs> this is thing, I can see it happening now. If you want a real independent board member who will go to bat for yeah, you- Yeah, you think it should be you? no I think it should be Monique oh, if, okay. I'm saying if, she, <laughs> yeah. if she says no
2: I've got yeah. some references I don't think you need a four white guy on
1: your board is it four <laughs> white
0: three white guys I mean, well yeah the three guys exactly. are white guys yeah, yeah so you might no. want to have a little more diversity <laughs> board.
1: I mean,
2: we do need that yeah. but in
1: California I think now is that you have to have a woman on the board right? Yeah, thank like like god if you're a public company I mean it's so brutal for me going to board meetings like I'm like guys I think we might want to like make yeah. this not f- like a little I've been on some boards where it's six white guys and like four went to Stanford I'm like guys oh. so- yeah yeah
2: that sounds Can fun. we get a
1: seventh person who's not from Stanford? We'll see you all next time on This Week Star Wars. Bye-bye.
0: Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me.